Merry Christmas, although not yet Christmas. This is being released on 23rd December, Friday, so tomorrow's Christmas Eve. I hope you're all snuggled up and warm and feeling the holiday seasonal joy, listeners. You're going to be even more overjoyed to hear because we're going to give you a... What's the word? A smorgasbord? A A guide. (laughs) Right. A guide to get through the holiday season watching the best films that there are out there. It's a great season for movies. As always, Christmas is a a bountiful mixture of all different (laughs) movies. And so we're going to tell you the best ones to watch. And were you making a joke there when you said guide as if that was a strange word? I just generally couldn't think of the word. (laughs) Okay, right. We actually have picked out loads of good choices. And this is Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So through to Boxing Day, we've got choices for you. We're not going to go in depth on all of them because that would be a long episode. It'll be very long indeed. Indeed. So instead, we'll give you one or two thoughts. And every now and again, Phil's going to stick his thumb in the air, or I will, and we'll stop to have a little bit more of a good-natured chit-chat about it. Are we going to run through sequentially on the days? I think we should do, although I can't promise that they're in chronological order because of the way that I put it together. And, you know, I've done my best. And I'm sure they can Google it. If they want to find the film, they'll find it. That's right. And sorry, just listeners, just to confirm, this is what we've been watching. I'm Laurie. And I'm Phil. And this is what you should be watching this Christmas. Or what you could watch if you're at a loose end. So, okay, you ready for (laughs) Friday, today's day? Ready? 8.30 p.m., BBC Two, Saving Mr. Banks. Lovely little film starring Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. This is the, the, the real life story of Mary Poppins writer and what the film was about and how Disney got into that position to make that film. That's the one. It was a troubled production phase, but it's got lots of warm-heartedness and good fun performances. I think we'd recommend that, wouldn't we? Yeah, Tom Hanks is very... I think he, he nails it as uh, Disney. It's true. So no clip for that one. Moving on, uh, The Hobbit and <laughs> the Desolation of Smaug. I mean, is that a pick? I, I have a lot to say on this film, but I don't think this is the it's right not, show to yeah, talk about. Maybe that's one to avoid. That's the sort of film you might watch thinking it'll give you a nice holiday joy feeling. That's at 8pm on ITV. But I think the Hobbit films are a bit of a letdown. I recommend just putting on the original trilogy, if anything. Yeah, Lord of the Rings instead. But just like you, Laurie, when it comes to that day, I might just think, oh, I'll just dip in and have a look. It's quite and inoffensive. And end up watching it for a long time and then realise this is a terrible film. And it would be a long time as well. They're <laughs> a long film. Good one to fall asleep to, maybe, if you're knackered. OK, Casino Royale, Phil, 9pm, ITV2. His thumb is in the air. Do we play a clip then? Yes. All right, here we go. So you're telling me it's a matter of probability and odds? I was worried there wasn't chance involved. Well, any of you have seen the play with the best hand wins. So that will be what you call bluffing. You've heard the term. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. And you're good at reading people. Yes, I am. Which is why I've been able to detect an undercurrent of sarcasm in your voice. You'll know short our money isn't good hands. You don't think this is a very good plan, do you? So there is a plan. I got the impression we were risking millions of dollars and hundreds of lives on a game of luck. We won't spend a long time on this one because, Phil, I have a feeling you might have talked about it before, but this is James Bond. Daniel Craig, tell us why we should watch it. It's the best James Bond film there's been. Whatever. Mm. What about Tomorrow Never Dies? What about Goldeneye? Nope, Casino Royale nails it. It's got the best chemistry between Bond villain, Bond girl and Bond himself. Oh, nicely said. Triple threat. I think you'll find a lot of people disagreeing with you there, and I imagine many listeners have got box sets of the old classic James Bond films. But I guess if you don't have that, it's, not, it's worth a go. I think if you've not really watched James Bond, this is the one to see. This one with the torture scene in it. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly, it's the same director as the guy who did Piers Brosnan's first one, Goldeneye, and that relaunched the franchise, and this, this film was again a relaunch of James Bond. Well, listeners, let us know if you watched that one, and if you agree that that is a good Christmassy pick. Okay, moving on. 
Yes. All right. Chalet Girl, 5.05 p.m. Film 4. Do you want me to put my thumb up in the air? I'll do a half a thumb, Phil. I really like Chalet Girl. This was the first film that introduced me to Felicity Jones. She plays uh, a youth skateboarding champ who, thanks to some tragic events, has lost her ability to perform on the day. And in an attempt to make some money for her lazy dad who can't seem to get a job, played by Bill Bailey, she enrolls on being sort of one of these chalet hosts. She goes to a very posh family's private chalet in the Austrian Alps, I think it is, uh, and learns how to keep house there for them. And in the meantime, she picks up a snowboard and finds herself falling back in love with that kind of super cool, balance-coordinated, trick-spinning sport. And if you absolutely love Rogue One, this will scratch that itch. Yeah, I prefer her in this to Rogue One, Phil. I think this is it's a really, really silly, very Euro-friendly, cheerful movie about the snow. And if you're a ski fan, this will get you nostalgic in all the right ways. Bill Nye's in there as well, isn't he? Yeah, he plays the posh dad. It's good. I think it's very warm-hearted. I've suggested it before. So, yeah, check that one out if you're at a loose end at 5.05 <laughs> on Film 4. Now, just before we move into Saturday's movies, those are our picks for Friday. Good luck if you hear this in time for them. Uh, We're only doing the Freeview channels as well, because not everyone has access to Sky or some of those specialist channels. And obviously, loads of people have Netflix, so feel free to ignore us. Sky Sky Movie is going to be, like, you could spend the whole time there, because it's all the big movies of the year, basically. Yeah, they're holding all your favourite characters hostage, and you can pay a (laughs) ransom (laughs) to see them for free. You actually didn't have said that to me, haven't you? Yeah, I have problems with Sky, but let's not do that now. Okay, on Saturday, first up, Phil is Wimbledon at 1.05am. So that is one to set your recording box to, unless for some reason you're awake very late on Friday on ITV3, 1.05am, Wimbledon. Anything to say, Phil? Paul Bettany, Kirsten Dunst, Sam Neill. It's kind of silly fun. It feels a bit more like a summer movie to me because obviously Wimbledon is in the summer, but there's something kind of charming about it. It's sort of bizarrely optimistic and just nice it feels unthreatening James McAvoy is in it I know he's surprisingly which is very weird because I think he's grown out of that shadow into the much bigger plinth in some ways I think the tone is very similar to Chalet Girl it's just that they're older not sort of young guys but Paul Bettany towards the end of his career Yep, Paul Bettany, an aged tennis player, suddenly starts making a bit of a run in Wimbledon and happens to fall in love with maybe another superstar tennis player played by Kirsten Dunst yep Next on the list, uh, shall I talk about this one? Despicable Me, 20 past 11 on ITV in the morning. Now, this is Steve Carell voicing uh, Gru, as he called. Yep, Gru. And he's a villain, one of these villains that no other police don't seem to track down, uh, constantly being defeated by the superheroes. And through a series of circumstances, he ends up adopting three children who sort of force him to consider what it's like to care for someone other than himself it's quite heartwarming it's quite funny it's nicely animated this is the film that absolutely launched minions so there's a real minion warning going on here if you hate them stay away from this movie i think it's pretty good i don't think it's as quite as good as a lot of people say i'm very surprised that it's got the traction it has culturally there you go maybe one to watch for you okay another one that actually i haven't seen phil splash starring tom hanks and daryl hannah i think 1pm BBC2 Tom Hanks finds a mermaid enough said yeah now this is very high on a lot of people's movie lists I know some very well respected national critics absolutely love this film so it is on my to watch list which is why we flagged it here next on the list Phil Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone 1.30pm on ITV Phil with his big thumbs in the air here is a clip night to E5 queen to E5 That's totally barbaric. That's wizard's chess. I see you've packed. See, you haven't. 
change of plans, my parents decided to go to Romania to visit my brother Charlie. He's studying dragons there. Good. You can help Harry then. He's going to go and look in the library for information on Nicholas Flamel. We've looked a hundred times. Not in the restricted section. Happy Christmas. I think we had a bad influence on her. This, I think, has, is actually slowly making its way into a Christmas staple because it is just wonderfully nice and adventurous. The children are so little and tiny that they just feel endearing, even though they're not very good at acting. There's a, there's a real care taken to make it feel magical, and that's, a, I think, a lot of credit needs to go to Christopher Columbus, the director of this film. Yeah, a great Christmas film. It feels great watching Harry take on those challenges at the end. Yeah, definitely. Very warm, comforting, cosy, and it moves at quite a slow pace, so it is perfect for just relaxing into a comfy sofa with a cup of tea. I guarantee, probably if you end up watching this, it'll be because somebody flicked onto it and then it just stayed on, and yeah. then gradually it just attracts more and more of the family. Oh, definitely. And Richard Harris, great to see him as the original Dumbledore, and you just cannot beat John Williams' school. Wingardium Leviosa. Nice. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. I feel like you get some of the best performances out of the kids at this age because they're only required to be young, sort of wide-eyed children in the book because they're experiencing Hogwarts for the first time. I think Rupert Grint especially is on form as Ron. He's got a good sense of comedy, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Great chess scene towards the end, chess fans. Chest scene? Chess. Immediately following uh, that on ITV is 101 Dalmatians, a 1960s original cartoon by Disney. Any thoughts, Phil? Cruella de Phil, <laughs> Cruella de Phil. Good work. I mean, I think this is quite a dark Disney movie. It's one of the first properly dark ones. Cruella's quite menacing, but it's good. It's good fun. I don't think there's much more to say, actually. I like the, the scene where all the dogs bark. Well done, Phil. That's great. Okay, now this is my pick. My thumb's already in the air for The Transporter at 10 past 11 in the evening on film four. And, well, yeah, here's a clip. I'm so sorry. Can you help me? My tire. Sorry, I have an appointment. I don't like to be late. Well, would you rather be late or dead? You don't want to do this. Step out of the car. Take it easy. The car's brand new. No problem, buddy. I've got this. Baby, let's ride. Parents know the kind of company you're keeping. Shut up. It's coded. What's the code, man? I'm afraid I can't give you that. Well, I'm afraid we'll have to beat out. Let's go. Get out of this car. Hold on. Just came out of the dry cleaners. You talked about that one already, haven't I know, you? I know, I know. But I think I just want to reiterate that if you've never watched it and you thought it's not for you, then I'd just give it a chance because if you've got even a tiny soft spot for really silly action B-movies, this is pretty high up on the list for me. It is a B-movie, isn't it? And it knows it. And it's a lot of fun. And I'm thinking the time that it's on, 10 past 11 on Christmas Eve, that is tired parents who've just finished wrapping up. Kids are probably still, you know, raising a ruckus upstairs. This is a good one to stick on and forget the world for a minute or two. Watch Jason Statham kick some bum. That's right, man. The original and best. That's film four, ten past eleven, followed by Rear Window, 1954. Alfred Hitchcock uh, tackles a classic mystery thriller crime story. Guy basically looking through his window and thinks he sees a murder. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. And he sort of concocts a story in his own head just based on looking through the window. It's a really clever combination of sort of uh, voyeurism and mystery and, and film noir as well. It's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. One of those films which has influenced loads and loads of films, like films that are basically remakes of it, yeah. but indirectly, like Disturbia starring Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and Manhattan Murder Mystery, all those sort of things by Woody Allen. If you're awake that late or you've got a set-top recorder, that's one to go for. Phil, take a breath. We're halfway through. That is the end of our recommendations for Christmas Eve. Moving on to Christmas Day and Boxing Day. But before we do that, as a little breather in between, do you want to reiterate to us why the Santa Claus is perhaps your number one pick it's not on TV during the period so why should people look for it on Netflix well should we play a clip first of all okay let's do that dad you heard a clatter somebody's on the roof maybe it's Santa not now Charlie this Christmas Scott Calvin's getting into the spirit the only way he can hey you oh, 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 oh. Whoa! By accident. If something should happen to me, put on my suit. The reindeer will know what to do. He's Santa. You killed him. I did not. Check out Santa's sleigh. When you put on the suit, you fell subject to the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus? What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. Ha! Santa, how can your clothes are so baggy? Do you want this doll or not? Go back to sleep. I shave in the morning, in the afternoon, I look like this. Oh my God. Calvin, you wait. What happened? Beastie. What, you put on a little weight? Does this look like a little weight to you? You look distressed. I'm way past distressed. I'm talking to an elf. He's not Santa. Oh my God. He's too Santa. Wait, I'm not done. Fax me. This is our perpetrator. This one's not going to be easy to find. Uh, won't the uh, bright red suit and beard give him away? <laughs> Who's down there? Santa, you're fatter this year. Have a piece of fruit, for God's sake. This holiday season, Incoming! Tim Allen is giving Till It Hurts. Johnny, naughty. <laughs> Gary, nice. <laughs> Veronica, very nice. The Santa Claus. You're a 1,200-year-old elf? You look pretty good for your age. Thanks, but I'm seeing someone in rapping. So there you go, Santa Claus. This is Tim Allen uh, being wonderfully cynical, but also kind of cheery and family-friendly too. He plays Scott Calvin, a toy designer who happens to kill Santa Claus. And then in the process, he puts on Santa's suit because he's instructed to do so. And then he inadvertently agrees to a clause, the Santa Claus, which means that he then becomes Father Christmas himself. That's the one cute, amazing jokes with bellies growing out of control beards continually replenishing on his face the naughty or nice list being sent to his house by fedex and uh, dismay at santa claus in a tank toys being prepared by his company this film has a special place in my heart because it's the the christmas movie for me that i remember watching when i was a kid and as i've watched it i slowly learn every little piece of this film yeah including the weird bizarre little odd quirks that crack me up in particular, Charlie, the little boy that his plays his son, <laughs> just has the weirdest sets of lines ever. And there's just these all these little, little moments that I really look forward to. Uh, <laughs> I could quote it, genuinely, I have done in my life quite a lot. But some of my favourite scenes 
in particular is when Santa Claus gets arrested and uh, this is him getting interrogated. I wonder if you could play a clip, Laurie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I know you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin. So let's make this simple. I say name, you say Scott Calvin. Name? Chris Kringle. Name? Santa Claus. Name? Père Noël. Babo Natale. Pears Nicole. Topo Gijo. Okay, Calvin. Maybe a couple hours in the tank will change your mind. Popo Gijo. Love it. I lo- it was so good. Tim Allen is just the perfect choice for this. And he he's really good at showing that sort of arc that uh, his character goes through from being this guy that just is completely corporate into this guy who actually cares, which is lovely. And even the whole dynamic with him trying to be sort of co-parenting with his ex-wife and her new partner, Neil. Neil, played by Judge Reinhold. He's fantastic in it, actually. It all just kind of balances out really well. And I think it takes some funny little quirky steps to flesh out the world of Santa Claus, including some of the technological advances, like a a wireless microphone. Yeah, ELFS. (laughs) Uh, A kind of weirdly fun but also terrible at the same time yeah you bet you've got to put some clips of it's them. classic sort of wonky 90s-ness isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly should I play something yeah 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 Charlie are you okay dad I am now how'd you do that tinsel not just for decoration it's such a funny one because even though I kind of hate that bit, it's become like a bit in our family. Yeah. Like particularly uh, my sister, we always we always talk about how ridiculous that bit is, and I love it. Nice work, Phil. So should we carry on with the list? Yes, yes, yes. Christmas Day. Checking it. Okay. Sunday, Christmas Day. We can't do anything else. But first flag up, Frozen. Ten past three, BBC One, the Disney juggernaut has landed. Phil's actually doing a thumbs down. I don't think you can do that, Phil. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this film. I'll Every- talk about everything it. Everything that's ever been said about this film has been said. That's very true. Do you know what I think of more than anything else now? Is Edina Menzel or Abdullah Dazim. Adele Dazim. <laughs> Adele Dazim, as, as uh, John Travolta said hilariously. Um, her trying to sing. I think it was New Year uh, in Times Square. In a very cold day, her vocal cords were not up to the task and trying oh to hit no. that high note. She just could not get up there. So, wow, when you're singing Let It Go, just know that, you know, even the singer can't hit those notes. <laughs> so don't feel bad about it. I think the thing which is good about the film, and I wouldn't... I don't. I think it got overpraised. That's partly the reason why I gave it a thumbs down. It's not a bad film. It's quite a good film. I think you'll probably suck it in by the over-merchandising as well. So it's everywhere you look, and that sort of leaves a sour taste in the mouth, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think it's kind of nice, and the songs are good fun. They're very poppy songs, but they're good fun. And do you want to build a snowman? My life has been a series of doors in my face. That's a good line. (laughs) And a snowman in in summertime. Do you want to build a snowman? What's the uh, the snowman song? That's funny one. That's what snowmen do in summertime. (laughs) (laughs) Something something like that, isn't it? That's quite nice. Olaf is a good character. Voiced by Josh Gad, I believe. That's right. Yeah, and then you've got Sven the moose, isn't it? I can't remember any of the actual characters names the weirdest part of that whole film is the random trolls yes was it this is the, the reason i've said that i think moana is better than frozen is i think moana is a much more cohesive story whereas frozen for all its strengths and there are many many strengths it is funny the songs are good actually it feels a little bit uh, piece by piece stuck together so they've got set pieces in mind and those that troll bit is a really good example they're sort of nonsensical. They're tacked on, aren't they? Well, and they're involved in the plot quite a lot. 
but kind of for no reason. Like, they see the trolls right at the beginning, and it's the trolls who sort of start Elsa off on the terrible journey, and then are the same ones who kind of rescue the whole thing. So it's, to me, I, I feel like I can see a lot of plot devices strung together, but that doesn't mean it isn't worth watching. It's good, Phil. Kids love it as well. It's definitely Kids good. Love it. You I need can't to turn that thumbs down going. to thumbs up. I'm praising I, I, I wasn't being critical of the film. I just said I didn't want to talk about it. Okay, okay. All right, next one. Despicable Me 2. Well, we don't really see to say that. Oh, sorry. Frozen was at 10 past 3, BBC One. Despicable Me 2, 5 to 10 on ITV. That's fine. It's a sort of standard sequel. But immediately after that is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets at 11.55 a.m., on ITV. I think this is also surprise. I mean, it's a bit surprising it's on Christmas Day. You would have thought they might have saved the Philosopher's Stone for this one. I think this is the weakest of the Harry Potter films. Do you think of all of them? Yeah, I think it's the one which feels slow and it really needs a bit of a, a like a kick up the bum to get, get going a bit because it really, really goes through every page of the book, it seems. It does drag a little bit, but at the same time, if you watch, you know, Philosopher's Stone the day before and then this one, you'll probably really enjoy it because it's going back to Hogwarts. It's got the same ambience. It's still directed by Christopher Columbus. It's still got John Williams' score. I, I think it's probably better than a lot of people remember. And you've got Kenneth Branagh as... Oh, yeah, Gilderoy Lockhart. He's brilliant in that. Do you think so? I think he's great. I always I feel like he's a bit too camp. I love Kenneth Branagh. I think he always makes me feel quite sort of warm and happy. He's got such a jovial nature to him, even when he's playing a bad guy. Okay, that's that. And then, also, staying with the same channel, immediately after that, 10 past 3, ITV, Phil, you've got to love it, The Lion King. Is The Lion King on? I told you that. Yes. <laughs> Is that your thumb in the air? I love this movie. Great movie. We don't need to play a clip for that, do we? Yeah, we do. It's oh, just okay. great, to, great to have a clip. All right. Look, Simba. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Wow. A king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, Simba, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king. And this will all be mine? Everything. Everything the light touches. What about that shadowy place? That's beyond our borders. You must never go there, Simba. But I thought a king can do whatever he wants. Well, there's more to being king than getting your way all the time. There's more? <laughs> Simba. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope, Dad, don't we eat the antelope? Yes, Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass. And so, we are all connected in the great circle of life. The thing is, man, I'm actually getting chills, like the way they do with Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> because, whoa, what a voice, what a script. I, I'm blown away. I haven't seen the film for quite a long time. I'm not surprised because it is one of those films which you know you love and you think is great. But when was the last time you actually watched this film? A long, long, long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably true for lots of people. Lion King is great. It's such a good quality movie and uh, seemingly an original story from Disney. It's, it's a fantastic movie. And I think you need to see it again before before they make the inevitable live action remake. Well, it's all... already been announced with Jon Favreau himself. Oh. <laughs> I know. Don't think about it. It's okay. So I'm going to enjoy this before my palate is ruined forever. <laughs> I just think that is such a master, masterful, what, minute and a half of cinema there? That's exposition, that's character building, that's foreshadowing. That is the whole works right in a tiny little animated scene. Absolutely brilliant. And it's amazingly memorable and 
fun and energetic, even though it's just two characters talking. I know. I'm going to do a feature on this in the new year. One to look forward to. How to do two people talking. I'm excited mm, about that'd it. That would be a good, good feature. That would be a good feature. Everything the light touches Everything is our the kingdom. Touches. What about that you... shadowy place? How can you, you must go? never go there. never go there, Simba. must never go there. The great circle of life. Leaping antelope. Okay, this is enough of this. Uh, should we want any, the same voice as Darth Vader. Suffice it to say, listeners, we are both right behind that. And I think this is at the point where I say ITV seem to have won the battle of the Freeview channels because I know we shouldn't say that, but I can't help it, Phil. I think they've won. There's, they've got all the Harry Potters. They've got the Lion King. There's a good bit of consistency. with still more to come. I mean, I don't know. Just to even it out, you know, being a non-partial, BBC does have the added benefit of no adverts. So that's very. It's true. not going to take you four hours to watch a two-hour movie. That is very true, Phil. Well balanced. <laughs> well said. Okay, moving on. Still staying with Christmas Day Sunday. It's a Wonderful Life, 20 past 2, Channel 4. Now, I think we shouldn't talk too much about this because we did go on at length on our BBC Oxford Christmas special, but we both love this film, don't we? It is the Christmas movie, in my opinion. It's going to have to compete with The Lion King, though. Is it on directly competition? Well, The Lion King is at 10 past 3, It's a Wonderful Life is at two, 20 past 2, and you've got to stick with It's a Wonderful Life right to the end. Don't be tempted to flick off. Mm, I think this is the great benefit of TiVo and all those sort of recorders and what's-its-names. Just recording both, watching one one after the other. They're both great movies. Okay, next, Singing in the Rain, quarter past four on Channel 5. I'm in the FL, go for it. Love this movie, it is a great movie, Singing in the Rain. A mose is a mose, a rose is a rose, a toes is a toes. Hoop-de-doody-doodle, poses, supposes, his toes are roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. For Moses, he noses, his toes aren't roses, as Moses supposes, his toes to be. Moses supposes Moses 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 is a massive favourite of both Phil and myself. I think Gene Kelly has never performed better. I think Cosmo Brown, who's, who's the guy? I can't remember exactly. I can't remember his name, name at all. Uh, it's, uh, Make Him Laugh is an absolute tour de force of physical, musical, performance quality. I, I just, it's astonishing. I think you could make a very, very strong claim that it is the best musical of all time. I think everyone has this in their sights when they, you know, dream about bringing a musical back, as La La Land is currently doing. Everyone wants to go to Singing in the Rain because there's never been one that marries all the elements of it so well together. It's amazing that there's this showmanship, there's this fun, there's this energy, there's this cheesiness, there's a romance, but at the same time it feels quite sort of grounded. It doesn't feel over the top or in a, in a kind of bizarre world. It feels like it's part of a regular sort of movie. It just happens to involve singing and dancing. Oh, definitely. And a large part of that, I think, is the fact that it's set in a Hollywood context. These are movie stars, so it makes sense that they might express themselves it can afford singing to be and dancing. Like a sort of parody or satire on, on that sort of line, doesn't it? And, and instead, that was Donald O'Connor, I've just remembered. I think a lot of what you're describing actually comes down to the performances of the central cast, because also Debbie Reynolds, you know, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia's mum, is phenomenal in this film. Like, even though they're playing it as such sort of melodramatic characters, it actually works. You sort of believe their combative relationship and the way that it changes over time. Kathy Seldon, great, great role. Kathy! Kathy Seldon! And then also Gene Hagen, Lena Lamont... Oh, you never get a better the, film than uh, What's his name? RC or something like that? Oh yeah, that's uh, Millard Mitchell, R.F. Simpson. He's, it's just got a full-on fantastic cast and Leela Lamont is genuinely hilarious and she manages to pull out 
every little bit of comedy out of essentially the villain of the piece. Absolutely. It's a great role. It's a great role and it's a great film. If you've ever found yourself thinking musicals, they're just not for me. You know, you went to see Les Mis and you couldn't handle Anne Hathaway's enormous mouth and staring eyes <laughs> during that scene, then this film is for you. Uh, let it convince you of what was wonderful about that period of Hollywood. Mm, it's a true cinematic gem. There we go. That's definitely one for me, Phil. Home Alone, 6pm, Channel 4. I think we've already talked about it. I talked about it on what we watched a couple of weeks ago. So True. I'll leave, just see previous notes. <laughs> well said. Uh, cheaper by the Dozen, I've sketched in here as well. It's uh, 2.35pm on Film 4. I think that's going to lose out to It's Wonderful Life and The Lion King, certainly. But if you wanted to watch something different, what do you say about it, Phil? It's good fun. Uh, Steve Martin is the dad of 12 different people. Uh, <laughs> children <laughs> yeah he's got Sorry. 12 children 12 children cheaper by a dozen and he plays a football coach who's moving across the country to a new setting to a massive new house so they've they've kind of having to rediscover their life again it's got a nice little mix of different characters and casts and it has the ability to do kind of light cheesy fun family fun and at the end start pulling on the heartstrings oh definitely and it is actually quite funny as well there's a great use of classical gas that guitar piece oh yeah oh man towards the final towards Steve the end. Martin running with that in the background oh it's a magical little moment that's true actually that's quite powerfully done nice okay and last but not least maybe least <laughs> on Sunday on Christmas Day well a very late midnight Love Actually is on ITV if you are still awake at midnight on Christmas Day maybe you want to log on to Richard Curtis' Sentimental Love Fest. Except, is it that sentimental? I think it is, yeah. I say the reason why you watch Love Actually is for Colin Firth and his love interest, the, is it Portuguese lady? Aurelia. Aurelia, yes. Mm. And also, I'd say, for Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson's heartbreaking storyline. Yeah, well. and they Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman showcase what makes them such amazing actors, I have to say. I also love seeing the guy who's now in The Walking Dead as uh, Rick Grimes, when he's in love with Kira Knightley's character. I love the bit when he walks out, storms out, and he doesn't know what to do. Should he go back and tell her what he feels or, or not? And then he decides to just zip up his little half zip, and then Dido starts playing. That's true. That's quite a good little moment. It's a nice little moment. I Dido's a great choice as well. What happened to Dido? I will go. <laughs> I, I will go sleep. down with the ship. <laughs> I didn't like that song. Okay, moving on to Boxing Day Monday. Don't worry, listeners. This is the last day. Bill, first on the list. Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry Potter, number three, ten past four. Can I put my thumb in the air for this one? Mm. ITV. Take her away, Ian. Yeah, take it away, Ernie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. Well, we're about to see you, Eddie. The Leaky Cauldron. That's in London. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. That's in London. The Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> hey, if you have the pea soup, make sure you eat it before it eats you. What <laughs> the muggles? Will they see us? Muggles? They don't see nothing, do they? No, but if you jab them with a fork, they feel. Little old lady at 12 o'clock. Now, listeners, it's not, you know, a unique opinion by any means, but I share many other people's views and think this is by far the best Harry Potter film that was made. Alfonso Cuaron directs, doesn't he? That's right. And there is something about the way this film was directed that makes you completely not care about the huge chunks of the story that are totally missing from J.K. Rowling's original novel 
because it is directed with such sort of panache and charm, he's so obviously a storyteller that you feel gripped by it. I think it's the sort of film, in fact we already know Phil, that if you fall asleep in the middle of it, you'll wake up still wanting to know what you missed. You won't just consign it to the banks of slept through movies. Mm. You will want to fill in the gaps, as our dad did in fact when he came up with his own theory. (laughs) Hermione's Harry's mum. Yeah, nicely done. I think it's really great. I think all the kids give quite a good performance, except for Harry Potter's crying scene in the snow. He's not very good at yelling, but otherwise he still gives a good performance, and I think that's a large part down to the director. Yeah, I think so. He seems to be able to do uh, a real range of emotions. So the darks, almost like a picture, the darks are true black, and then the the lights are true light. Yeah, really well said, and it's got it all. You know, there's terror, there's uh, fear, but there's also joy and happiness, there's quirky humour. I think it's written. It's the sort of perfect blend. Steve Clubs' screenplay and Alfonso Cuarón's direction just met each other perfectly in the middle with John Williams' score as well, so that everything works. It doesn't feel clunky or awkward, which is something that characterises all of the rest of those Harry Potter films, unfortunately. Mm. I would say as well that it's the time when the children feel the most like actual people, Yeah. and a large part of that is because the director said, dress yourself, you dress your own character, you you wear the clothes you want to wear, you do your Did hair you how that? you want to do it. Exactly, and, it's, really? and that's when oh, he that's seems great. the most, they all seem the most real How about that? and authentic as that. people. That's really interesting. I bet that does make a big difference. It's like trying to cut smoke. Like trying to cut smoke with your bare hands. <laughs> oh, what a, what a role. And it, Sirius Black, of course, making his entrance, as does uh, Emma Thompson as Professor Trelawney here. A little bit of trivia you want to know? Apparently, uh, Alfonso Cuaron set the, the three main people, uh, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint and Daniel Radcliffe, all a task to write a little character biography about who their character is. Oh, really? And uh, Emma Watson wrote pages and pages and pages, uh, much like Hermione Granger would. No way. Daniel Radcliffe kind of did a little bit of effort. Rupert Grint just didn't do it. <laughs> so there is you go. Is that actually true? Yeah, didn't do it. That is so funny. And that's such that really comes across. I didn't know that, Phil. That Maybe that is a big part of it, a director who really cares. Anyway, I don't think you need to say any more. Go watch it, 10 past 4 ITV. Or, in direct competition, you could watch... The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe on Channel 4 at 10 past 4. With Boring Susan. Boring Susan, that's right. It was that Susanna, our sister, yeah. who said that. That stuck in my head. What do you think of this movie? Uh, I think it's amazing that they managed to make big talking beavers work in the screen and all animals talking and it somehow works out. I think there's a good sort of sense of optimism and fun about the four main children. The Pevensey children, is it? Yes, that's right. I think Aslan is a real home run. Liam Neeson's voice. And also, I'd say Tilda Swinton really does a good job as the White Witch. Yeah, I she's think great. It was trying to kind of piggyback Lord of the Rings, and I don't think the story has enough depth. I don't think the to big really battle do that. is something of a letdown. But you know, I wouldn't watch it for that anyway. I watch it for the beginning when they're on the train platform. Uh, being evacuated in wartime London. I, oh, it brings a tear to my eye even just thinking about it with quite a nice fusion-y score from Harry Gregson-Williams. Best work he's done, I think. Directed by the same guy who directed Shrek. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's that's not a bad second place, but Prisoner of Azkaban is certainly superior. Mm. Okay, big. Five to noon <laughs> on E4. <laughs> Five to noon. Oh, you mean big? I thought you were saying, like, oh, here's here no, comes no, a big no, film. No, 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 the film big. Uh, again, I've spoken about this on the uh, the podcast for what we've been watching a couple of weeks ago, I think. Even you can watch it on YouTube, in fact. Yes, you can. One of the few that you can. Tom Hanks is absolutely brilliant. I think this is the star-making film for him, and it's kind of unbeatable as a family-friendly film. I think it's brilliant, yeah. Definitely one to watch. Uh, a surprise entry, Phil. Runaway Bride is on at quarter past noon on More 4. <laughs> uh, Richard you Gere. You reviewed this one as well, didn't you? I think... <laughs> 
obviously they'd be listening to our show man and been using that to fill All up the their schedules uh richard gear and julia roberts have great chemistry returning from pretty woman and yeah julia roberts smart plays film. It's not a smart film I think it is quite a smart film. It's got a good script and good supporting cast and some just hilarious moments. Yep, Julia Roberts plays uh, a bride who's run away from various weddings and is just about to go down the aisle again when a news reporter shows up, played by Richard Gere, who's going to try and get the scoop and see whether or not she's going to run again. That's the one. Good film, listeners. I recommend that one too. Still got four more to go, Phil, but then that's it. Finish line is in sight. Muppets Christmas Carol, 11am, film four. Arguably one of the best adapted versions of Charles Dickens' novel ever. Yes, we talked about this uh, in some detail on BBC Radio Oxford. This is great. Michael Caine's performance especially uh, is very strong and it grounds the entire film, makes it feel like something more than a sort of cash-in from The Muppets. Yeah, it's a genuinely nice adaption, I think. Yeah. Adaptation. I always get that word wrong and Laurie always glares at me whenever I do. (laughs) Okay, Phil, one for you. Secret Life of Walter Mitty is at 10 to 7 p.m. on Film 4. Laurie hates this film. And here's why, listeners. Here's a clip. Hi, Todd Mahar, eHarmony. How can I help you today? Hi. I can't seem to leave a wink for someone. I don't know. Is my page broken? Do I do I maybe have a broken page? Or oh, I've never heard of that, but okay. Uh, you're trying to use your eHarmony account for the first time? I am. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at your profile. We have a pretty intricate matching algorithm that's what distinguishes us from other online dating services. Yeah, I like that. Actually, I'm just trying to leave a wink for one person, Cheryl Melhoff. She started in my division at work about a month ago, and I overheard her near the bagel saying she was on your site. Uh, okay, that's unique. But let me ask you, you left a lot of this stuff, like like the been there, done that section. You left it blank. Yeah, I think I skipped it. Okay, you've got to help me out here, man. Don't skip stuff. Okay, well, I haven't really been anywhere noteworthy or mentionable. Have you have you done anything noteworthy, mentionable? Hello? You still there? Can you hang on a second? Gotta smell gas. Oh, I hope it's okay. I engineered a prosthesis for chips while I was sprinting down the stairwell. Little hip joint assembly with a drop ring lock and an anterior pelvic band. God, you're not worthy. I just live by the ABCs. Adventurous, brave, creative. That's everything I want in a man. My man. Hey, my man, you still there? Hey. What, did you pass out or? No, I just like zoned out for a second. Oh, okay. Do you do that a lot? Uh, you tricked me, man. You say I thought we weren't going to play a clip, and then you, you interrupted there. my I'm flow. That was the deal. Thumbs up, clips out. But I have to say, listening to that, I did like some things about this film. The little m- moments where his imagination takes over, and we see that visualised, all of those were great. But there weren't enough of those moments. Yeah, there could be more of them, but every single time they do one, it is good fun, and it's quite visually spectacular. I think this film, directed by Ben Stiller, starring Ben Stiller, as Walter Mitty I think it's got a lot of heart and warmth and I think it might be just the perfect sort of movie for a certain type of person over the Christmas season somebody maybe is feeling a bit like where's my life going what am I doing with my life 
Uh, I think it's a great little inspirational it's film. It's a great uh, elegy to the Shh. common man, Phil. Hey, come on, I'm, this is my thumbs man, up, not yours. Instantly, that was you know the humanist version of man. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, it's a great one. He goes on an adventure, as you heard in the trailer. He's trying to crack down a photographer who's uh, got the photo for Life magazine's final issue, and this leaves Walter Mitty on a kind of an adventurous adventure. <laughs> well said very good and I think I think the that music- was the tagline on the poster wasn't it an yeah. adventurous adventure yeah it's got some great visuals I think the music even though Laurie likes to make fun of it actually really works in the film Kristen Wiig is good as a kind of romantic interest it's, it's just good fun I think it's not, there's nothing wrong with it my major issue with it listeners just in case you are like me and maybe no one is <laughs> is that I find this film is trying incredibly hard to make you feel a certain way in very unsubtle ways and it's sort of it's shot like a car advert and the music that gets used is like that found in a car advert and i have a kind of ingrained reaction to people telling me how i should feel i'd rather let the film do that job uh, all film is manipulation i think i know i know i think this manipulates you i just want them to place. be cleverer about manipulating me i want to yeah. not realize i'm being manipulated because you're so smart laurie no it you? isn't it's not I'm, <laughs> look I'm, at my giant <laughs> brain i'm so smart see now that's how you undermine me isn't it that's not fair <laughs> is that how we're gonna leave it is this the last thing we're talking about no there's two more films but i'm not sure we're going to talk that long about either of them Oh, uh, well, let's let's just hear what they are. Okay, Pitch Perfect, 10 past 11pm on Channel 4. I haven't seen this, Phil. Anna Kendrick stars, it's an a cappella group. Yep, you've got Rebel Wilson as well. It's funny, man, it's really funny. I think it's off the back of Mean Girls. Uh, it, it, it's basically about a singing competition. Uh, it's a real nice, cheery, slightly raunchy comedy. Is and it really? I think there's a real good chemistry between the main cast of girls. Uh, they're going up against the boy, boy a cappella group. And yeah, I think it's quite quotable. It's unexpected, and it's one of the few comedies that ends up with a sequel, even though the sequel's not very good. I have heard that this is one of those ones that surprises you with its quality, but the only things I really know about it are that that cup song, where Anna Kendrick does the cup I remember having to learn that once for a boring reason and having to perform it, and I didn't enjoy watching it again and again. And that's also the thing that inspired that baked beans can advert that has recently been banned. Have you seen (laughs) that? Yeah, because you're going to be chucking around a... It's sharp can. You can that slice yourself you. open on the can, just trying to do the silly can thing. That was very badly judged. Hashtag by the can song. Lines, yeah. That was a bad marketing oh, exercise. Dear, dear, dear. Okay, last but not least, perhaps Captain America number one. What's he called again? The first Avenger. Nine p.m. on Film Four. Yeah, I think Captain America is the the hidden gem of the Marvel franchise films. I think it's consistently got better and better. And while I think Captain America 2 is probably the best one, and this is the weakest one, I think that Chris Evans as Steve Rogers' Captain America is a really nice, honest hero. I think Captain America, you think, would be the dumbest thing ever because it's just a big propaganda machine. And actually, they somehow make it so that he feels like he might actually possibly be real in in a superhero sort of way. It is one of the better origin stories. And I, I wonder whether they just put some work into casting the right guy. I think Chris Evans is quite charismatic. Which I'm surprised by, because he was in the Fantastic Four, wasn't he? As Johnny Flame, whatever he's called. <laughs> Johnny Flame. What's Johnny, he called? Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm. And I didn't think much of him there, but he he's good. He, he really, you like you say, you believe that he is that guy. He's an honest American hero, and I think uh, it plays out well. They set it in the World War Two scenario. Yeah. And so Quite you have... sort of authentically as well. Nice sort of um, Sky Captain World of Tomorrow glow to everything, without it feeling fake. Yeah, and actually I think having it in a World War setting means that it, it doesn't need to justify who's the good guy who's the bad guy in some ways just straight down the line this is an adventure story yeah. and 
he's the good guy and he's going to take on the villain. Well, and I also like, you know, same, same thing we said about Doctor Strange that was nice was that this film is very aware that it's a comic book story and so it allows itself to be a bit ridiculous, a bit sort of silly. Hence, why you get uh, Agent Smith from The Matrix turning up with basically a red version of the mask on his head. Well, he is called Red Skull. Well, exactly, but they, the don't, they don't try and sugarcoat it and make it cool somehow. It's just like, no, he's got a big rubber face. <laughs> and I like that. I think that's, that's the way these comic book films need to go. Hence my slight pessimism for Logan, of course. Uh, and what I will say is it's one of the few Marvel films which you can jump into without needing to know anything out. That's very true. It yeah. is the first one. It's meant to be the first one in the kind of chronology of the films and so even if you know nothing else about Marvel you could watch this one and enjoy it well there we go listeners that's a long take a long breath a deep breath think it through originally we had planned just to pick six movies and just talk about those and Laurie's like no we can do it all we're going to motor through we're going to do it all so well, look it's a Christmas special and we've done our very best to tell you what's on by the time they finish listening to it on Friday they're probably going to have missed like three of the movies anyway no listeners thank you so much for listening and Merry Christmas to you that's right we hope you enjoy watching some movies we hope you enjoy eating some turkey and having good time with family and friends absolutely let us know what you watch why not at superbellybros at gmail.com at superbellybros on twitter we're not going to be here next week no episode next week Christmas break time but then we are back with a bang after that for the new year 2017 if you're wanting to get a little bit of Super Bailey Bros in your life over that little week, <laughs> we are doing a Monday episode as usual on Boxing Day. And also we're going to do BBC Oxford. So check that out as well. Definitely. Thanks so much for listening, listeners. Have a very Merry Christmas, a great break and a great new year. And we'll see you soon. Great. ta